Welcome to Asset Blocks Business Center Edition because wealth creation is different for Australian business owners. Today, we are with one of our sponsors, Goose McGrath, who is our property our portfolio partner. And today, we're going to be talking about, as a business owner, is a property investment right for you? But before we get started, let's cue the disclaimer. Charlie here from Asset Blocks, and I need to let you know that this is a disclaimer. Grant, myself, and the Asset Blocks team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personalized financial or investment advice. We're merely sharing our own experiences and opinions, but you should absolutely seek the help of professionals before acting on anything you hear in this podcast or on our brand. Now, this episode is important because just like in our business, we need to evaluate an opportunity before we move forwards with it. Just because someone has shared a good opportunity doesn't mean it's right for you specifically. You need to know if it will work. And that requires self-reflection, talking to other people who have done it before, understanding your own personal biases, etc. Well, it's the exact same when investing in property. You need to know if it's right for you. So if you're an Australian business owner who might be looking to start investing in property, or you've already got some assets and looking to see if property would be beneficial, then this episode is perfect for you. And if you do want access to any of the checklists, calculators, templates, etc. that Charlie and I use in our wealth creation journey, head over to assetblocks.com.au, click free resources and go and download whatever you would like. And if you do enjoy the show, be sure to hit subscribe and share it with anybody else that you think it might help. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right. Welcome, Goose McGrath. Goose is our property portfolio partner, and he's actually purchased most of my properties, and I think most of yours as well, Charlie as well. Definitely. So, Goose, in 30 seconds, tell us a bit about you and your background, but only 30 seconds. Okay. Only 30 seconds. I'm going to do this super quick. Okay. Bit of background. Uh, left school at 17, started my own business, spent the better part of 15 years traveling the world, organizing music and arts festivals, all the biggest kind of festivals you can think about. Fantastic. Great. Uh, wound up, hit about 30, wound up uh, working 100-hour weeks, basically broke, living on the floor of my office, nothing to show for it, and thought, hang on a second, this isn't going where I want it to go. What am I going to do here? Me and my partner decided to try and create financial freedom. So uh, we thought, great, let's go buy a, ha- buy a property. That's what you do, right? Successfully bought the wrong property in the wrong place at the wrong time, lost a bunch of money and thought, hang on a second, that's not how this is supposed to work, and then pivoted my entire life to trying to solve the question of how do you find the right property in the right place at the right time, and then now that's how we help people. You still have like 15 seconds left. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you want to say? There's loads of stuff I can talk about, but I was trying to keep it tight. I'll tell you what, I wonder how many business owners listening to this can relate to the first portion of that story, right? The 100 hours a week and then waking up one day going, hang on, this isn't going where I thought it was going to go. (laughs) Totally, yeah. And and I think that's one of the big... um, like that's kind of one of the... Like that was a big big wake-up call. And now with this business as well, it's like been a real... Like when when we were sort of, you know, we didn't initially start saying, oh, let's go start a real estate business. I mean, I, I kind of don't like the fact that I'm like a real estate guy because I never, <laughs> never particularly like, you know, really bonded with that kind of identity. But when we were designing the business, we really took that on board and said, okay, well, how do we make sure that we don't end up in the same situation? How can we actually help people, other people to avoid ending up in that same situation? And yeah, it's um it's been a super critical driver. And, and personally, having spent my uh basically most of my life um not working in a real job and you know being various forms of either a business owner or a you know solo entrepreneur or you know any of these various forms of kind of working for yourself in some format 
Uh, and then getting to a point where I had nothing to show for it. I have a personal passion uh, and a pers- like I have a, like a high level of connectivity with all the other business owners out there that are kind of doing the same thing. And I have a personal passion for trying to help those people to you know, build wealth outside of business and kind of make that change because I've seen what it can do for people. Not to mention on the other side as well, how many investors do you reckon would relate to the second half of what you just walked through? Well, this is the reason this show exists, right? This is the wake-up <laughs> yeah. moment. It's like, the I don't want to say the red pill moment or the matrix moment, but it kind of is. Right? So you can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know when you say, I don't want to say this thing, but it's like you're just saying that thing. So, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am curious, right? Because everyone who listens to this is business owners or people who want to become business owners, right? And so it's one thing for us just to get someone on and go, great, like, how does this work, et cetera. I, I'm curious, from your clients that you work with, like, what percentage of them are business owners compared to, I'll use the word, like, non-business owners because I know you say, like, PAYG people. Um, like, what's the kind of the split for yourself and who you work with? It's probably about 60-40, to be honest. Um, 60% uh, being kind of, you know, regular employed PAYG and probably 40% being business owners. Um which is pretty, which is pretty healthy, really. Like I think, and I think that uh, there's a few reasons for that. I think that what w- the way we approach real estate is kind of non non consensus, and I think that um, to a large degree that has ha- that kind of attracts um, entre- entrepreneurial types. And it's important to remember as well, like business owners, and just like you know, business owners don't necessarily mean big successful corporate bigwigs work you know, with suits and all of that kind of stuff. Business owners can also mean, you know, self-employed, micro-entrepreneurs and stuff like that. So, we've sort of got the full spectrum in there as well, which is which is really, really cool. And so, I, I have seen firsthand as well, like how that, how that massively impacts those different people at different stages and in different ways as it relates to their own personal business journey, which is super cool. And I'm going to completely set you up here. So, I'm curious, who is buying more properties between... <laughs> Non-business owners versus the business owners. From what you've seen, okay. If we exclude the outliers in the data set, right? If we if we just if we just focus on like the generalizations, I would say business owners um, <laughs> buy more properties faster. There's a couple of reasons for that, and we could probably dig into that because it's 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 a good thing to understand why. Um, it's also really beneficial and um, that would also be, be a pretty interesting thing to dig into too, I reckon. Let's dig into it. like, Because I, I remember for me, right, when uh, we were early in conversations, Goose, you made the penny drop for me where it's like, you're, you're not buying investments, like you're starting a real estate business. Yeah. It's like if you had uh, the Hilton or you were starting a hotel, how would you run it? And I was like, oh, like how did those dots not connect? Like <laughs> what, what went wrong in the wiring in my brain? But I'd love to know more deeply is this one of the things where it's like as soon as that penny drops they suddenly understand it differently or how does it shape up well yes and no so i think that penny drop is is critical right because a lot of people think that uh, a lot of business owners or it's you know full stop people but let's let's keep it relevant to business owners a lot of business owners think that business is really really fast right and i'm in control and it's quite active and you know i can grow by a gajillion percent if i get everything right and you know it feels quite exciting 
Um, and then when when business owners think about real estate, because they don't understand it, they think it is kind of just like a kind of like a bank in some ways, just like somewhere that's kind of like doesn't really do much and it's kind of slow and you chuck your money there. But the problem is you can't get your money back out. Everyone knows that real estate's fairly liquid, right? And so it's really not that appealing, not that exciting. And so a lot of business owners just kind of don't even venture into that area. And so understanding how to think about it like a business is is critical. And I'd love to dig into that because generally speaking, for business owners and for everyone, I, I, it's the most transformative way to think about your real estate portfolio. And that brings with it a bunch of benefits. But just back to the point about um, biz- business owners typically you know, buying more properties faster, moving quicker, there's, there's some really deep benefits to that. And I've specifically seen this firsthand, right? Because business is a quite active sport, right? So um, if you don't show up, guess what? You're probably not going to kick any goals. You're probably going to lose the game, right? Yep. So there's pros and cons. I love business. Um, I also love property, right? Now, when business owners are able to build a portfolio outside of business and able to build wealth, they actually get to a point where they can kind of hit save, right? So what that does is, um, you know, there's obviously like the... So circling back, going faster, buying more properties quicker increases your rate of compound return. And so you actually make way more money faster, right? If you had a choice between buying... 10 properties in 10 years and you bought you know, one every year for 10 years versus buying 10 properties in the first year and doing nothing for the next nine, then you would end up with a significantly greater return at year 10 by buying it all in the first year, right? So there's the kind of comp, there's the actual like financial returns that are better if you go faster. But also what happens is it allows business owners to make better decisions in business and in life. And this is really, really important because a lot of business owners often feel... Uh, you know, a little bit, not necessarily out of control, but maybe on the edge of control is probably a better better way to think about it. You know, like a lot of business owners are pretty confident and all of that kind of stuff, but there's always that kind of like, you know, there's, you know, not, there's always that kind of element that things could go wrong anytime soon. So if you can get yourself to a point where you can basically hit save, like you've kind of like hit that um, personal wealth, you know, benchmark and you ch- I know exactly you've, you've been there, you've experienced this, right? You are, and you're des- not the you only- are describing me like literally, like I don't think <laughs> I've spoken to Grant about this, like this podcast wouldn't exist if it mm. wasn't for getting to that save point. Like, and I've intentionally gone, do you know what? I'm not working with that client anymore. Like just not doing it. Yeah. And it's yep. like, <laughs> I don't, I don't care. Like, and I know that sounds horrible to say I do care. But it's like in that circumstance that it was, I'm unwilling to continue going through this pain is for a short-term cash grab or anything like that. Bingo. So inside your business, you will make better decisions when you know that your life is taken care of outside of your business. Exactly. Right? That allows you to make better business decisions, which in turn actually helps your business to grow better, right? So it's got this like double benefit. You feel better, right, about it. But also it actually probably is going to be, you're probably going to make better business decisions and ultimately grow your business um, better at more in a more fulfilling, better growth. All of these kind of things are going to happen. Secondarily to that, there's the life piece, right? So I know um, I could, you know, I could list a half a dozen business owners that I know that um prior to getting to that point where they've kind of hit save, we'll, we'll use that kind of terminology, where they've hit save and they're like, oh, hang on a second, I've kind of got that sorted. They did feel an element of fear, like they didn't, they didn't really, they didn't feel confident in making decisions outside of business to satisfy their current life. Now, this whole idea of financial freedom, you know, is 
it does feel a little um, esoteric and off in the distance. And typically, we define that as like, you know, when you have enough, um, you know, hands-free revenue to be able to cover all your cost of living and all of that kind of stuff. But a lot of the benefits of financial freedom happen before you've reached that point anyway. Mm. And so, some examples that I've got of that are business owners that I know who have not reached that financial freedom point, but have now got four or five properties, they are now able to make decisions like, you know what, actually, I'm going to move to the Gold Coast um, and raise my family there because it's going to be a better, it's going to be a better lifestyle. Grant, you know, and I'm actually talking about other people, right, as well. I was well, going to say, you nailed yeah, sure. your avatars here, Goose, nailed them. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but they're able to make those decisions now, you know, like... We've got another client who, you know, because of her property portfolio and because of the cash flow the portfolio produces, she's not financially free. She's still got a she's got a really small kind of like bookkeeping and accounting business, but she's been able to move to her dream location, which is kind of near you, Charlie. She's actually down on the Mornings Peninsula. Properties are paying for the rent, all of that kind of stuff. Now she's living the life that she wants now, so it's not this kind of like esoteric off in the distance thing, and so. What's happening is business owners are making better decisions in their business, but also better decisions in their life and living a more fulfilling existence and also accelerating the personal wealth journey. It's, it's an awesome, beautiful flywheel. So that happens when you can go a little bit faster because if you elongate that whole kind of experience, let's just say we'll use five properties as the benchmark for hitting safe, right? It could be four, it could be six, depending. But if we use five properties as a kind of benchmark for like, oh, that, we've hit save. If you elongate that over a you know a twenty year period, you're going to have twenty years like of that you know like property every four years for twenty years. You're going to have twenty years of that elongated kind of stress. I'm living on the edge kind of thing going on. So that's going to affect the way that you think about business and life along that way. You're not going to live the life you want now. Um, and uh, the yeah, I mean, I mean that's I mean I've waffled on for a little bit there, but it's it's huge. <laughs> important <laughs> but, points, really important points. I think we can get stuck tactically all the time in like the, oh, you know, this is the amount or this is the thing, but it's like we forget the why or what's past it. Like, why would you do it at all? And that they're the reasons, like they're the real reasons. And I, I, I completely agree because one of the things outside of, I call it banking, I know that you guys have just referred to it as saving, that I've seen with a lot of people that I've spoken to and, and Goose, you can sort of share if you've seen the same when you're talking to business owners, was having a direction. So, I've spoken to people and I know, Charlie, you have as well, who were in the the running their business day in, day out and they were taking it out and they were sort of living their day life, right? But then when they had like this goal of going, okay, great, now I'm going to focus in on wealth and if their mechanism is through property, it almost like rejuvenates them and almost like brings them in and they go, now I have this sense of purpose, Right, it's, so it's almost like to what you're saying, Goose, is that bringing that esoteric sort of oh, I can't wait until I retire to go and do these things forwards to go, hey, I can achieve this, and what can I do to chip away at it? Exactly, you get a sense of momentum. You you can kind of like it opens a tra- it's quite transformative. Like it is quite transformative. It's kind of hard to say. It's kind of hard to explain it until you get there. But once you get to a point where even when you're on that journey, if you know that to your point, like once you've got that direction and you know that you're take, making momentum towards that goal, that transforms the way that you're showing up in day in and day out. Like I know that I've personally, I've personally experienced that. So it's not, not necessarily about, oh, once you get to a platform of five properties or whatever, then you're going to feel good. It's like, yeah. you know, like on the first step, you're going to feel good because you're going to know that you're building a moat, like you're building, you're building something outside of business, right? And something meaningful. And that's going to help you win. Because let's be honest, in business, it is a bit of a roller coaster. Some days you're on top of the world and you're like, oh yeah, I'm killing it. I'm I'm oh, this is the best thing ever. Woo! I'm on a rocket ship to the moon. And other days you're like, 
oh my God, I feel scared. I feel out of control. What the hell is going on? This isn't working, right? And so having something that sits in the background, almost like the antithesis in a sense of the roller coaster in the fact that it kind of like just continuously chug, 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 moves you in the right direction. You at least know that that is winning for you and it's kind of like it can pull you forward, right? The The important thing to remember here though is that you know, 90% of property investors, not just business owners, 90% of property investors only ever get to two properties, right? Or never get past two properties. So 75% never even get past one. So most people don't get to experience that continuous sense of momentum because you do want to have continuous sense of momentum as well, not just like I bought a house and, you know, that's cool, like it's good, but it's not going to give you that that ongoing uh, fulfillment as you go. So understanding how to break through that is a critical piece as well. Yeah, I am, I am curious. Like, I'm just going to throw this one out there, Goose. Like, how, like, business owners who are listening to this might not have started investing in any assets, right? And so, now that we're, we've kind of spoken about, great, this is how why they buy sort of properties and this is the journey that they go on and this is sort of what they give them. I am curious, like, imagine someone sitting on the outside saying, I want to get into this investing world, Goose. How do I know that property is right for me, right? I mean, I've never done it before. I might have got one and I might have been burnt in your example or I might be in crypto doing something beneficial. Like, I'm curious, like, how do I know that property is right for me? It's a good question, right? So, there's some kind of like, we'll call them mechanical features that will allow you to understand if, if, if you're able to start doing it, right? Or if it makes sense. Um, you know, so some of the mechanical features are things like, can you borrow, right? And And... For business owners, if you don't have a couple of years of good financials, you might not be able to, right? If, you're, if your accountant has optimized for, um, optimized for tax too much, you might be showing a loss or very little profit and you might not be able to, you might not be able to uh, borrow money, right? And so, you know, you may accidentally be out of the game. What do you mean, Goose? I got a free car from the tax man, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've, all been, we've all been there, right? Definitely. Like, you know, we've all been there. And, you know, I know personally, like when we started this business, um, we weren't, we were then unable to buy properties for over two years. <laughs> the first year we optimized for tax. Um, and then the second year was trying to get, <laughs> we needed two years of good financial. So it's taken us a while to get back, back into, into the swing of things. So I personally know what that is like as well. And it's, it's not great when you're kind of like, okay, damn it, you've got this, you've got this delta between, what you want and what you're able to do and it's it can be quite frustrating um also i would suggest like business is kind of the main game right if you're in business you you need to be focused i think right there's so i I think you need to stay focused if you if you take your eye off the ball and start chasing shiny objects you can start making bad decisions in your business right so i would suggest that you need a certain amount of business stability right so um you can measure that in a variety of different ways but you know you you would want to feel as though you're you're on solid footing or solid enough footing you can start making decisions elsewhere and start maybe taking some capital out of the business or or these other kind of things that only happens when you've re- reached a certain level of business maturity which is probably like getting two years worth of decent financials so you know hey um, it's probably tied together yeah, so I just want to I just want to wrap that one in, and I want to get a specific around it because we kind of danced around it. But the reality is, what you're referencing there is that if you don't have a couple of years of good financial financials, profitable yeah. financials, that lending is going to be much harder for you or borrowing from the banks. Um, yeah. which we have made an episode with Aaron, uh, the mortgage broker, to talk about that more in depthly. 
But then the second point you've made there is around like you've got to be able to contribute capital in some way, shape or form. Can we yeah. get specific around that? Like what's a reasonable amount of capital someone would need in both like kind of deposit and then maybe monthly cash flow or quarterly cash flow to be able to play the game? Jump roll. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I would suggest that as a minimum for anyone, business owner or non-business owner, as a minimum to make uh, a decent go of it, you probably want $50,000 in surplus cash ready to go, like so for deposits and capital and all that kind of stuff, and a minimum of $200,000 of our own capacity. Now, note that they are the minimum, not the optimal. Right? So optimal is going to vary depending on the strategy and what, actually, what your actual kind of situation is and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but barring that, you know, like if you've if you've got sort of seventy five to one hundred thousand dollars, that's probably a more comfortable kind of like starting point for for most business owners. You want to make sure that you're not scraping too close to the bone if you are taking capital out of the business, right? It's really really important. Um, and in terms of surplus cash flow, now there's a bit, here's here is actually where there's a big difference between um, business owners and non business owners, right? Because the average savings rate for a PAYG employee is about fifteen hundred dollars a month, right? Now, what typically uh, I see with business owners is they're able to generate uh, around about $5,000 a month in surplus cash flow, or let me kind of put that in a different way. That's a good point to be thinking about it for a business owner, right? Because you do, you do want to make sure that you're contributing in your business to making sure that you're continuously, you, you know, you, you have retained profits in the business so you can reinvest and build more buffers and do all of that kind of stuff. And so where some business owners can go wrong is they go, oh, property, yeah, great. And then they start trying to take everything off the table too quickly and they sacrifice the business as well. So kind of thinking about that and circling it back to get some granularity, as you as you uh, said, Charlie, I'd suggest Look, three to seven thousand dollars a month in 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 cash flow that you can t- cash that you can take off the table, right? Without sacrificing your business per month is a good point. So we'll call that kind of five thousand dollars as a as a kind of like midpoint. And you sort of want at least fifty thousand dollars in order to be able to get started. But obviously, obviously more is better. More is not just more is not better because you get to buy bigger houses or anything like that. More is better because you have more options. Now, just to be super super clear. If you start with $50,000 and $200,000 in uh, borrowing capacity, that doesn't mean that you're going to be buying worse investment properties, right? It just means that you're going to have less choice and that choice is going to be limited by what you can actually buy. So it's not a question about um, necessarily, if I have more money, I'm going to get greater returns because I can buy bigger houses or anything that doesn't work like that. We're kind of understanding that. Did that kind of answer the point with enough detail for you, Charlie? Do you want me to dig into that? Yeah, I just wanted to add in a point more than anything. In my own experience, like I'm at a stage now where I've bought quite a number of properties. And the thing that I probably wasn't expecting is that with every property I've bought, there's always been repairs, minor renovations, like there's an amount that needs to be contributed in some way. If, uh, because I have a good business, coming up with the cash to do those things, really easy. Um, But if I was, let's say, trying to save, if I was only saving $1,000 a month, trying to do that, it would have been very difficult. Every purchase would just take longer and longer to accumulate the next deposit. And I will also say that the surplus of cash you're able to generate with your business finds a storage place in offset accounts and deposits and you can spend more time with accountants and hire more advisors and buy more books and courses so you can kind of win in different levels of this game. It's not one-dimensional and they just get used for property deposits. It kind of feeds the whole thing like a business. Um, One element we haven't spoken about yet, which I would love to, is the time requirements because if you're going to go down this path, it's not uh, like buying ETFs or 
uh, shares where it's like you just do it on an app on your phone takes like it's five like, minutes. Like it's a bigger process. So how much time should someone allow for like the average property purchase? I just want to put in yet we are trying to develop technology to make it as seamless and easy as buying shares like through an app. But we're, we're, I'll tell you what, I would appreciate that. I really would. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Goose, we're, I, we're had hair, I had hair like yours before I went, went into it. No. <laughs> and look, Look, in terms of time consideration, it kind of depends. Like, if you're if you're going it solo, then spending ten to twenty hours a week for six to nine months is like that's actually fairly normal. Like, just to be super clear, right? So that's that's aver- DIY though. That's like you that's do DIY. Everything yeah, yeah. If yeah, for the average for the average investor going out there, going, I'm going to do all the work myself. I'm going to try and find the properties. I'm going to go to like open homes. I'm going to do, you're going to do all that kind of stuff. You look at it 10 to, 20, 10 to 20 hours a week for, we'll call it six months, right? That's kind of a pretty standard uh, use case. Um, when we work with clients, there's it's typically closer to about an hour a week on average for about three months, right? That's um, It can be as little as five hours from go to woe, depending on the complexity of it. Now, where it, where it gets, um, where there's different levels of complexity, is you know things around structuring and stuff like that. If you're just buying in your personal name, it is actually way easier, and you've got some loan docs to do and a few other bits and pieces. But you're talking like sub ten hours for the whole process. However, um, as it relates to business owners, this there's probably more of a case to be talking about um, trusts and stuff like that. And once you do, not to go, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but just to point out that. Depending on how you're structuring your portfolio, which is something we can talk about in in more depth later on, uh, it may actually increase the time consideration. And then you're going to be looking at around about those kind of like an hour a week for for sort of three months from go to work. So big, big, big difference between between doing it solo and and getting some help for sure. And have you seen seen that like that's obviously the purchase, but then over time as it's gone through maintenance and because you've got people living it and all that kind of stuff. What what do people expect for that kind of period for like the ongoing? Is that like an hour a month, an hour a week, an hour a quarter? Yeah, to be honest, um, depends on how you manage it, right? So I I like to manage it from a perspective of trying to consolidate like one little block of time once a month to just kind of like review everything. Is everything on track? Have we been collecting the rents? Just review the stuff. And that's probably an hour or two hour or two a month, right? Yeah. Realistically, just to kind of go, hey, because you've got property managers, right? So the whole, one of the things that most people don't kind of get when they're thinking about buying properties is that you don't actually have to find the tenants and you don't have to deal with the maintenance requests and you don't have to do that. You get a property manager to do that. That's their job. Um, then you just have the property manager working for you and kind of going back, circling back all the way to the to the start when we started talking about, um, you know, think about your real estate portfolio as a business, it's the same, right? It is literally the same. And so um, as you buy these assets, which produce income, you know, you could probably, you could replace real estate with any other product. It could be an info product or, you know, whatever. There's something, right? Something that's generating revenue, right? Which is what what your asset is. It's also growing in value, which is great. Um, Then you've got employees technically or, or sort of, you know, you know, in the same kind of mindset context, you know, which are your property managers. They're the ones that deal with the tenants. They're the ones that make sure that they're looking after the property. So getting just like getting the right team members in your business is critically important. Getting the right property manager is also critically important because if you've got someone who's not doing their job, it's probably going to cause problems just like in business. Um, but if you've got a good property manager, they should be doing keeping everything uh keeping you up to date. You can kind of review. I would set up a, a, a an email address just for like purely just for your property stuff. All the stuff goes there. You spend one or two hours a month reviewing things. Um, you also can set up some different triggers in order to make it easier to manage so that you don't need to do cost approval for like a $5 
fix of something. So you can kind of do things to kind of minim- minimize the work. Now, it's never going to be 100% hands-free. Like Even if you get to a point where your property portfolio does cover all of your costs and expenses and you're purely living off your property portfolio, there's always going to be some level of interaction with your portfolio. But that realistically can be reduced down to like a couple of hours a month of management. Yeah, I'll jump in on this one. I did some prep on this question uh, based on my own experiences. So for set of point in this moment, I've got 10 properties right now. Um, and our time to manage that is actually, we, we're a bit higher. We're about, I would say we're about an hour and a half to two hours a week. Now, I could completely acknowledge that we could get that lower, probably closer to what you're suggesting in this goose. But I, I have the belief it's like bad management, bad business. I uh, I very much go that the businesses I've seen managed proactively do better in business world. We treat it the same here. And then the question goes, well, what do you do? Like we're very active with our books and reporting. We do reporting every month like a, like a business, a P&L, cash flow statement, balance sheet. Yeah. We actively look for ways to improve our property portfolio. We manage things actively. We prepare for next borrowings and uh, potential next purchases and we plan like we spend time in planning. So as much as I would like to uh, acknowledge you can make it more passive, I think there's some pretty big advantages in like putting some oomph behind it. Like that's one of the things that's enabled us to move a bit more quickly than the average bear. And I'll just put one more in before I, I jump off. Every purchase, I did an average, it's about 20 hours we end up putting in to like if we're going to buy a house through the working with you guys or doing borrowing or structures or Mm-hmm. That's anything on that side of things. So that's kind of what's uh, in the trenches in my world, what I see on day-to-day, week-to-week stuff. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things on that. So number one, you've got a few more properties, right? Which is which you know factors in because there's, more, there's more pieces to manage. So that factors in for sure. Um, the other thing as well, I just want to point out that well, I actually, and I'm not, I think the way that you guys manage your portfolio is really, really good. And it is quite active, but it's also quite rational. Where I see a lot of... Uh, investors go wrong, and it's actually possibly more with business owners, to be honest, um, is that they sweat the small stuff too much. Um, and so, you know, they might be getting whatever, $1,000 in rent. And then as soon as there's a $5 expense come in, they're like, oh my God, that's corroding our profits and whatever. And so they can kind of get way too granular. And yes, you want to make sure that your, your businesses which are your properties, are being managed effectively and you're getting the best possible return out of it. But you've also got to make sure that you're not getting too bogged down in the like realistically unimpactful details. And I kind of see a lot of people get stuck there and that's that creates a lot more work for people. Again, though, if you are interested in accelerating your portfolio and you're active in it and you're like, okay, we want to continue to grow the portfolio and stuff, then having a, a more diligent focus on it once a month, reconciling accounts, checking your profit and loss, doing all that kind of stuff and actively thinking about things like, okay, is it time to um, go again? How long is it going to be? And just keeping track of things. That is smart, right? But there's a difference between between that and being neurotic as well. (laughs) Yes, that's the greatest summary I've ever heard. But don't don't you think that kind of comes back to their mindset of how they perceive the investments they're they're making? Because it was one question I did have for you around like, how do you know if, investing in property is right for you because i found for me personally the mindset that i had walking into buying property had to be quite different to how i would have approached it in business like in business uh a lot of business owners rightly or wrongly will jump in on the fire right they'll jump in on the hand grenade to go all right we're going to solve everything but in property right like is there a different mindset that you've had like i know i've had to tweak mine 
personally because the approach is slightly different, albeit it still is a business. Yeah, it's a really good point. Just thinking about it as you're saying it, I think it's about I think it's about the um, speed at which the impacts happen, right? So, so if you think about like just to kind of take a different lens on it, right? If you think about shares, right? If you think about shares, they can be traded really, really fast. You've got all those hedge funds that can do like fractional, like you know, microsecond. It's like it's like operating at a super high frequency. Um, Real estate kind of operates the same, right? In a sense, like you can kind of we're building similar models, basically high frequency trading models, but for prop for real estate, except that the real estate market moves way slower, right? And so what that allows you to do is zoom out a little bit. So you don't need to be in there like like in business, you if there's a fire, the difference between how fast you act, whether it's this minute, this hour, this day, or next week, could be the could be the difference between success and failure, like depending on the size of the fire. Um in real estate, it is less likely that that is going to be the case, right? Yep. Now, don't get me wrong; things go wrong, and if there's an emergency and there's a fire or a flood, or the key, you know, things go wrong in in real estate, and you know, that's when you might need to be you might need to jump on it pretty quickly. I mean, we had a recent situation, for example, um, there's a lot of uh, rain and floods and stuff in Queensland at the moment, and one of our this actually happened to our, one of our clients on Friday. It was like uh, actually there's water coming up through the floor. Okay, so there's a situation that we kind of need to jump on pretty quickly. But generally speaking, I think it's a case of kind of zooming out a little bit. So the way that I kind of think about it is that it it operates on a different time scale, and that allows you to have a more elevated uh, elevated view. So you you can be less reactive. And in fact, being reactive in property is probably a really bad thing. And I think that's like that can actually send kind of send people on the wrong path. So kind of going back to the mindset as well around it, I think it's I think it's I think it's kind of really important that people do view it as a different stream. So if you if you ran a mechanic business, right, would you then and then you decided that you want to create an info product business, would you try and run those two businesses the same? Well, no. <laughs> Fundamentally they have different mechanics, they do different they things operate at a different pace. If you had an e-com store uh, versus if you wanted to create a you know a service business, you would run those businesses differently and they would operate at a slightly different rhythm. So the mindset around coming into it needs needs to be that you're not going to be just jumping in trying to like the the harder you kick and the louder you shout you know the more that your property portfolio will grow it just won't work like that it doesn't yeah. it doesn't work like that right and, and so oh, i find myself asking you all the time it's so interesting i would never say this to myself in my uh you know i call it real business although they're both real businesses but my uh my my day business what we call it in property i'm always asking myself what will uh charlie say thank you for in 10 years yeah. Where it's like I, I don't ask myself that question in businesses because I'm like I don't know if the internet's going to be the same in ten years. Like maybe mm-hmm. we're going to be in VR and I need to be com- completely different. So it's like I feel like they're uh, different sports. Yeah, and- Com- completely. I I look at it more like a chess. Like business for me is like high risk, high reward. Go, 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 go. But property is almost like the the thing where I'm not allowed to FOMO. Like there is no ability to just <laughs> go. Oh my gosh, let's go and buy another one because. To goose to your point, like it's it's a very methodical, decision-driven approach, and so it's actually a really good sort of segue because listening to this, okay, great, I get it. It's, it's a completely different game, and it's uh, I've got to factor in cash, mindset, time, and and all of those kind of good things. Like for people listening to this that might not have ever got into property at all, might not have sort of even heard of any of the results that anyone has ever seen, like. From a, a long-term play, like what are some of the results that people, especially business owners, what can they get out of property? 
it's a good question. And so whenever I'm asked these kind of like um, general questions about property, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a split because what we do <laughs> what we do is a little different, right? Um, but if I wanted to talk like super generally, right? Let's just say um, using six percent annual growth, using a four four percent yield, which without going into the kind of mechanics of what that is, that's a representation of how much revenue you're going to generate on the on the asset. If you if you if you use a 80 percent principal and interest and all of that kind of stuff, that a kind of like a real kind of baseline average return over 10 years, if you just put a certain amount of capital into a property and then all of the kind of average stuff happened in a real average sense over an average 10 years you'd probably generate around about 300% return on invested capital, right? Which is pretty good, right? Now, using the same, using that kind of same like average, 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 like, you know, basic, you know, basic bananas type national average returns and stuff, you're probably going to get around sort of a 20% return in the first year, roughly, right? Broadly speaking. Um, And that comes down to a few different things, asset selection and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Now, the reason I said just a second ago, the reason it's a little bit different for us when 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 I need to answer that question about how how we do things, which is again a little a little different. So we typically see around about seventy percent return uh, in, on invested capital in the first twelve months, um, which is pretty good. Um, we're kind of uh, typically seeing around three hundred percent return on invested capital in the sort of first two to three years, which again is awesome. So. Uh, in context, just to kind of go back to it, like the average, like if you just kind of took an average, average, average basis, you're probably looking at about 300% return over 10 years. So we're able to do that in sort of two to three years, typically, um, which is awesome. You know, yeah, we just, have a- just a touch awesome. I don't feel like you're, I feel like you're underselling your goose. Just a, that's a, just a little bit. Just, uh, you know, well, just- yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's, it is, it is important. Look, if, if, if we then, so part of what our, part of the way we do it is we have a specific, way to look at doing it so you get some accelerated returns at the start. And the reason that that's really important is it does allow you to go faster, right? Going faster, as we've already discussed, is has a meaningful difference on your financial position and also your life mindset, all of that good stuff. So going faster, um, particularly in the early stages of portfolio is good. Um, but even if we kind of like taper some of those returns over a 10-year period, we'd still, we'd still be expecting to get sort of six, 600% return on investor capital over, over a 10-year period relatively conservative so it's kind of double double what you would normally end up uh, uh, normally expect getting and and you are right Charlie I probably am downplaying a little bit maybe because I'm around these numbers all the time but um, one of the one of the kind of challenges I think is uh, one of the mindset shifts that people have got to understand or get get past in order to realize that real estate might actually be for them is that it's not just this kind of slow clunky boring type type thing because if you're kind of looking at it like that and if you said well Okay, if I took an average, average, average basis and I can get like 20% return in a year, um, what can I do in my business from a capital allocation perspective? Like, should I put more money into my business to grow my business or should I put money into real estate? And, you know, yes, there's the personal wealth diversification piece and all of these other really important things. But if you're just making the pure, you know, brass tax kind of business decision, you might say, well, I mean, it doesn't kind of make sense for me to take money out of the business. But, let me in. I was just going to say, you just said something so critical. I have to. Uh, earlier in the conversation, I mentioned that like a penny drop moment for me was the idea that real estate is a business. Yeah. Like you can try, it's like you're just starting your accommodation business. Like people, mm. the tenants are your clients mm. and the property managers are your managers, like you would have in a business. The second penny drop for me was that it was like, do you think all accommodation businesses are done the same way? Like is a mm. caravan park operate in the same way as a Hilton hotel? 
and do you think that you know like there's all like there's stuff for FIFO workers like do accommodation like there's all these different models when, when that dropped for me then I suddenly realized I was like hang on if the business is different the returns can be different depending yeah. on the way you play the game and then I was like I'm just going to do it. Red pill moment, matrix moment. I was like, all right, I think I get it. It's not just you buy any property and wait. What is it? They double every 10 years or 15 years or whatever that maths is. Like the models within it change the game. And you as the investor need to understand these games, like because that's where you can potentially get outstanding returns or find one that aligns to your circumstances in a bigger way. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more, right? So that – you know, when I mentioned right at the start in that kind of 15-second intro, we bought the wrong property, wrong place, wrong time, lost a bunch of money. The knowledge that I had going into that was that property doubles every seven years, right? That's what I. That's the kind of like often quoted maxim, which is even if you use the averages of growth, it's, it's still technically wrong because it's closer to like 12 years to, to double. But um, it's also not true for every property and all this kind of stuff. But armed with that amount of knowledge, like I literally remember speaking to my business partner at the time, like, so... Property like doubles every seven years, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I was used to buy any property. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, cool. So <laughs> went and did that and and lost a bunch of money, right? So can you imagine also- someone say to you, look, <laughs> look, businesses have a twenty percent margin, right? So you just put, you just get into any business and you get a twenty percent margin. Yeah, you just grow the rest. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. All right, cool. Yeah, I'll yeah, just yeah. start any business then. <laughs> exactly. That is such a great. That is such a great analogy, right? That is such a great analogy because if that if you do, you'd be like, oh, go and it's going to start business and start coming off the top. <laughs> um. So yeah, it totally doesn't work like that, right? And the way to think about it is absolutely like you said it, right? So the way that I think about real estate, generally speaking, from a mental model is that there's two components. There's a land component and then there's the business component, right? And the business component that sits on top of the land and just like you know, the business, if you, had, if you bought a patch of dirt and you put a McDonald's on top and it was selling burgers, right? If you put an accommodation solution on top, you're selling accommodation and the tendency of your clients, you, you know, you wrap that up perfectly, right? That's how I think about it. Different configurations of those, those buildings that go on top are going to give you different returns for different reasons in different environments, all of that kind of stuff. Just in the same way that if you opened a uh, Four Seasons hotel in, I don't know, the middle of the outback somewhere, might not go very well. Like if it's the wrong, if it's the wrong clientele, if there's no demand for it, if if it's the, if you're not meeting the market where it needs to be met, you're going to end up buying a you know put have investing in a subpar way. Um, but the way that you think about what types of businesses, i.e., properties, you're going to be putting into your portfolio at what time, using yeah. what structures, and all of that kind of stuff will dictate your returns. And a lot of people talk about growth and we, in our marketing and stuff, we talk about things like growth, right? Because that is common. That's, and we talk about things like yields because that is the common vernacular with which people talk about property. They talk about things like growth and yield, right? In actuality, what matters is return on invested capital and cash on cash return. Like these are, these are the things that matter because you're putting a certain amount of capital into your portfolio. What is the return you're getting and how are you optimizing that return? And if you flip your mindset around and start looking at those numbers, then you'll start thinking about it in a completely different way. And it's, I always think back to it as employees, right? Like when I'm starting out a business, the employees that get me to maybe a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars worth of revenue are probably not the same employees that are going to get me to the next stage, to the next stage, to the next stage. And it's the same in property, right? Just the first couple of properties will get you to this stage. It doesn't mean that you just need to keep going the same ones as you progress forwards. But the there is this hypothetical scenario, right, that I think plays perfectly into this, right, because we're starting to talk about long-term and how the, you can change the strategies as you go, et cetera, and relating it back to business. So imagine that, Goose, you were 
a business owner, which you are, which is why this Perfect. conversation is so good. How, how fortunate. How, how, how fortunate. fortunate. This is great, yeah. It's almost like we've been set up here. Uh, so, if you were starting out today, and imagine you had $100,000 in the bank. So, I know you, you said that you could start off with 50000 but we'll use the optimal amount of 100000 and you were bringing in $5,000 a month that you could invest each month, right? So, you were, your lifestyle was all getting paid for, et cetera, but there was $5,000 from your business every month that you could invest. How would you play it? Well, 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 before we do this, this is Goose's opinion and his opinion only. This We are not qualified to give financial advice. It's not advice. financial advice. No, right? but uh, do get this recording and take it to a professional and question them on it because maybe you'll yep. learn something. So, go for it. So, I'm going to put a caveat that um, this may be slightly contrarian to some of the things that you guys might think about and believe, but this is my opinion and this is how, this is how I would play it, right? So... Um, in the interest of wanting to accelerate your portfolio faster earlier, right, and in the interest of getting a maximal return on invested capital, because typically earlier in your portfolio, um, capital acceleration is more important than cash flow acceleration, typically, right? Now, different situation is different, all that kind of stuff. So typically, what you want to focus on earlier in your portfolio is to, is to maximize your return on invested capital, and then you can kind of move that into kind of cash flow later on. So here's the way I'd play it, right? I would buy... If I had $100,000, I'd buy one $350,000 property. And that would require roughly about $75,000 in cash. And that would be based on a 90% uh, loan. So 90% of our loan, we don't need to get too deep in that, but basically a 10% deposit, uh, a 10% deposit. And I would want that loan to be structured on interest only for the first five years, right? Now, the reason I would spend 75 of the 100 is I'd want to keep $25,000 just as a bit of a, a slash fund, right? Um, that's going to give me some comfort, something breaks or whatever. I'm not kind of like redlining it or anything like that. And also from saving $5,000 a month, if all I did was keep that 25 grand and then, you know, add $5,000 a month to it in eight months, I'd be able to buy another property, right? For 75 grand. So that'd give me some time to build some comfort in the portfolio, all of that kind of stuff before I then reallocated that capital again. Now, the way that I would do it is I would use a combination of cash, cash flow, and equity to try and accelerate my position faster. And so the way that I'd think about it would be to probably buy two properties uh, a year for uh, three years to get to six properties, at which point I'd want my portfolio to rest, right? Because if you're taking equity out of your portfolio and the properties, um, it's over the long term, not to, not very healthy to keep doing that. But over the short term, if that's going to help you to move the needle faster, you can kind of do it on a, on a short-term basis. Because to your point uh, earlier, Grant, you know, where you start is where not where you end up, right? So long-term strategy, no. Early stage strategy, yeah, it can work depending on your on de- depending on your risk profile and all of that kind of stuff. So the way that I would think about it is that I would look to get to sort of four, five, six properties as soon as I could. Then I would let my portfolio rest, balance out my LVRs and stuff like that so that I had healthy debt levels, healthy cash flow levels and all of that kind of stuff. And that would give me a platform to then start making different decisions about where I wanted to go in the future. Now, those different decisions would be based on um, personal goals and personal objectives and all of that kind of stuff. And once you've kind of got that platform, that foundation, that allows you to then start thinking about, okay, what do I want more of? Do I want to maximize my net worth or do I want to maximize my cash flow or how do I want to think about this? Um, but there's a couple of reasons as well just to, kind of, just to close that off. Um, a couple of other things to put in there. So diversification is good, right? So um, yes, there is a benefit to buying more expensive properties because it is more capital efficient. 
However, I think there's also a benefit to, to diversification because um, being able to have multiple properties in multiple locations exposed to different economic drivers and all of that kind of stuff, I think is going to give you a more balanced return over time. Uh, and that's kind of more of a portfolio structuring type thing. So what do you think about that? I like it. Well, it wasn't what I expected, I will say. I actually expected you to say something else, but um, it's fascinating because um, I like the diversification piece you particularly laid down at the end, and I like the digestible nature of that. Like that isn't a complex strategy uh, that I don't think anyone could understand. Sorry, I think anyone could understand. So helpful as well. Yeah. I am curious, Charlie, what did you think Goose was going to say? Goose kind of strikes me. It's the mustache, right? It's something about the mustache where it's like he's, he's a high-risk guy. He's, he's going mining towns. No, no, no. I, I didn't think that at all. I just felt that on the – well, actually, it's probably my bias if I'm being honest. Like I have this thing for me that I look at and go, my business is my capital growth. So my ability to pull capital out of my business is where I want to push into more cash flow-heavy assets mm. because I'm not as concerned about capital growth because I generate it every month. So if I, in the example here, I will say I do contribute more than $5,000 a month to my portfolio though. So it's a bit of a different way of thinking for me where that might change it. There's also a different piece there uh, as well around the initial capital allocation, initial starting amount, right? So depending on where you're at, like if you've only got a hundred grand, then the, the, the presupposition is that you're going to need to accelerate at that further and faster, right? Now, if you, uh, if you, for example, have got a business and you're like, you know what? Actually, I've got $500,000 that I can just start my portfolio with, then the, the context would be completely different, right? And so the context might then be like, well, you don't really need to accelerate your capital base. So, so let's maybe look at different assets. But given the constraints of kind of what you said. Now, I would actually sort of um, say one other thing is that you can actually go a little faster than that. So what I said, two properties a year for like three years to get to six properties. That's like a rocket ship for most people. For most property investors, that is like a rocket ship. In fact, there are a lot of people out there who say you can't do it. And I can tell you for a fact that they are wrong because we do it all the time, right? Like, uh, you know, personally, like there's, we do it all the time. Now, the other thing I would say is that um, that's kind of based on some averaging and kind of more conservative measures and stuff, you could actually go faster. So I think the fastest um, we've helped anyone go was like any business owner, I think was six, uh, uh, maybe maybe eight properties. And actually, Charlie, you might have even been the fastest actually in terms of business yeah, owners. Come on now. I've got to have the yeah, 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 yeah. Come on <laughs> but, but, general, but generally speaking, sort of buying three, three to four properties in a kind of 12 to 16-month period isn't – that's not unheard of, but as a general rule of thumb, if you are starting with like a deposit, then you're sort of, and if that's kind of your base, buying two properties a year, it's a good target as well because also for from a business owner perspective, you don't necessarily need to, you know, think about how do you redline this kind of thing, right? I know personally, like even though we had a two-year gap in our buying, we're kind of basically on that kind of uh, two properties a year kind of kind of cadence. And I think that cadence is awesome. Like, I don't feel like I need to suddenly double or triple that or create something. I'm like, yeah, I think that's solid because if you do two properties 
a year for, for five years. 90% of property investors never get past two properties and you can do 10 properties in five years just by maintaining a consistent cadence. And that also allows you to keep focus on the things that matter like your business, you know, your personal life, your family, your relationships and stuff like that without it becoming some big like, oh, I need to I need to race. I need to like, ah, you just set a nice cadence and get it going. I think it's a good way to think about it too. Do you know what? I completely uh, resonate with what you're saying there because we definitely went too fast. I'll, I'll say that now is that we had um, at one stage like uh, two or three properties settling within the space of a month and mm-hmm. it was carnage and it did impact the business like I was yeah. at the bank instead of on uh, Slack or Zoom right there was times when we were uh, negotiating uh, passionately yeah that's the word I'll use with certain banking organization uh, anyway the point I make though is that if you bring this back to business though and it's like I have been in businesses where we've grown really fast and every time I go I would have been better to grow slower longer because it would have been so much easier to manage than it would have been to like hyper growth in three month period and then have to deal with the carnage that comes from the other side of it. So I, yeah. I like that pacing. That was, again, I'll, I'll say a mistake on my side, although I'm, you know, got through it and quite happy with how it's all turned out. Yeah. It's one of those things like, you know, like if you do, if you're in a hyper growth business, yeah, you're kind of just resigned to the fact that it's going to be messy and you're going to have to clean it up later. And hey, you could end up with a billion dollar company. So it could be, you could, you could gain 30 kilos, lose all your hair and all of that kind of stuff and maybe lose your relationships and have sleepless nights and everything like that and end up with a billion, billion, billion dollar company. And, you know, that's cool if that's kind of what you want to do. That's but there are other ego. ways. So great yeah, for your ego. Awesome. <laughs> but there are other ways of, there are other ways of doing it. I, I am just a massive advocate that you can have everything, right? You can have everything that you want and everything that you want isn't just like business or property. Everything that you want is also time. It's good relationships. It's health. It's like all of these other things. And I think that you can actually have everything you want as long as you get the uh, energy ratios correct, right? And just racing like a bullet at at everything doesn't usually get you there. I I love it. Goose, anyone who's listening at home might be going, ah, wow, like the comparison of... 20% 20% over the first year that you mentioned before compared to 70% and then a 300% over a decade compared to like, oh, I think you shared 600%. Um, like, I'm curious, if they were sitting there going, this sounds interesting, this sounds like something that might be right up my alley, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Um, well, guys, there is actually a contact form or a contact widget on the uh, Asset Blocks website. So um, just go to the partner page. I think it is there, and uh, I'm booking through there. We've actually got a special discount as well that we've um, we're offering to all of the Asset Blocks listeners. So that's the best way. If you go through there, then we're actually going to be able to make sure that you get the discount. So let's go through there, use that link. Um, but of course, we also have our own podcast as well, the Investor Lab. So you can check that as well. So. I love that. And that's assetblocks.com.au. And the podcast was The Investor Lab. Actually, I listened to that religiously, <laughs> by the way. But we've, we've covered off quite a lot, right, where we've, we've spoken about the potential sort of long-term returns, which I was just mentioning prior. But we, we spoke about some really foundational concepts around, like, how do you know if it's right for you? Like, obviously, looking at your time personally each week, looking at the cash requirements, looking at your mindset, et cetera. And they were probably some of the key takeaways from when I started that I just went, wow, to use your point, Charlie, it's like that that red pill moment where I was like, yeah, this calculation really starts making sense. And then the third layer was actually operating it like a business, like really understanding and going, wow, this is just another business mechanism. And once you kind of get over that hurdle, I always see that as one of the key things that I always take away. So again, uh, As always, we make sure that everything 
that we cover and talk about and all the calculators and checklists, et cetera, are always available on the AssetBlocks website. So if you did want access to any of them, head over to assetblocks.com.au and click free resources and go and get access to any of the tools. And if you did enjoy this episode, be sure to click subscribe or even share it with anyone else that you might know that might find this episode with Goose extremely valuable based on where they are in their business as well as their wealth creation journey. So thanks again for joining us and we look forward to catching you on the next time of Asset Blocks Business Owner Edition.